Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this is an episode, um, it's all about couples counseling. And this is for anyone who is considering going to couples counseling. Maybe you are in a lot of fight loops and you are just hitting a wall or things seem to be getting more and more heightened. So if nothing's getting solved by what you're doing currently, I highly recommend you, both of you go see a counselor individually, but I also suggest you go to a counselor together because some are, some really amazing change can happen. And if you haven't done it before, I would say this episode is like my, um, what I would tell a friend as a married person, why you're doing it, and what happens when you're there and all the things to look out for and to curate in your couples counseling experience. So if you are unsure of what to look for, or maybe you're hesitant about going because you don't know if it's going to be effective, I would say this is an episode for you. And I think that I'm making this because I think a lot of the time you go um, once, you know, you go to a couples counselor once, and then it's almost like there's a pressure va- valve that was just like, psh- release the pressure and then you kind of like have that reset of closeness so you're like I don't need to go anymore or you just don't feel like talking about bad stuff anymore but a lot of the time the issue just kind of stays there you know and so it's kind of like you're you're back to homeostasis in still having the same issue (laughs) um so if you are looking for a therapist um I would say this is maybe helpful just in kind of framing your expectations of like what you want out of it. And again, totally based on my personal opinion is what I would tell a friend. And it's based on my experience attending couples counseling. So you do you if this does not fit and if this does not resonate, totally take what helps and leave the rest. I think I think couples counseling is kind of a amorphous thing that for a lot of people is kind of like intimidating because you don't really know how it works, you know? And I think when, and a lot of people I think go to couples counseling, counseling, wanting the counselor to be like, you are doing like to, to, to hear you and be like, you're right. You're doing everything right. That person's doing everything wrong. And you were really just waiting for that validation. (laughs) And that's not really what it's for. It's not really what happens. Um, So, and I think a lot of people think in their relationship that they are doing everything right and that their partner's doing everything wrong. And when they get there, they're waiting for the counselor to echo that. And so I would just, I'm going to give you my two cents on how to approach counseling with the hopes that it will allow you to get something better out of it. And I think it's a lot harder to find a really good couples counselor than it is to find an individual counselor. But maybe that's my, just my experience, but I think when you have a goal in mind or you know what you want to have happen in the room, you can better curate that result. So, you know, if you walk into the room and you can't tell if what's happening is good or bad, I think um, in general, you know, first things first, the counselor's got to have to build rapport and build up a relationship with both of you. And they are kind of like um, a translator in many ways. They're there to translate what's really happening to both of you in and in a way that both of you can really feel and understand and they are also there to be a container for the feelings um, so that they can come out and they kind of facilitate this translation of feelings to be had so so that both people can shift behavior toward uh, something that allows love or decisions that are loving to come forth 
So first, before I go into this episode, I wanted to give a caveat because I know that a lot of you have issues related to being dependent on your relationship as kind of a source of pain reduction and also a source of feeling okay and self, you know, self-confidence. And so if that sounds true for you, if your relationship is really what keeps you feeling like okay about yourself, for you in particular, I don't recommend couples counseling necessarily if you're having issues in your relationship because first things first, you really have to fill your cup. And I'm guessing if you are this type of person, you probably have some abandonment issues or fear of loss related to a parent or if you were overly parentified or if you were given reasons to not take care of yourself and take care of others, you might find that you have kind of loops of fear and clinging to your partner that prevent you from actually confronting issues that you have in the relationship. So in other words, you know you're not happy, but as soon as you distance, you are kind of crippled by the pain of loss. So for you in particular, I would say this is a great motive to start your individual therapy. I also would say it's a lot easier to do individual therapy when you have that like kind of safety blanket of being occupied in a relationship, even if that's not the great a great relationship that you actually like, you know, just because it means you're like safe enough to do some hard work on yourself. So if you go through that loop of this relationship su- sucks, I'm unhappy, I don't even like this person, and then immediately when you you create distance, you feel like, oh fuck, I can't let go. I I don't want to be apart from this person. Oh my god, I miss them so much. It was perfect. If those see those as two sides of a circle, and we kind of cycle there, and each time we reset it because of that fear of loss. So just for whatever it's worth, that the relationship is not about you know all the relationship conflicts you have are not really about those conflicts. In some ways, the relationship is just about maintaining. Uh, you know, okayness in yourself. It's just about like that fear of loss. And I think a lot of people stay in like these kind of loop relationships because they are too afraid to find out they have to say goodbye. But the relationship is unfulfilling. So why are we stuck in it? And it's, I would say it's really just based on you. It's really based on an inability to feel safe and happy alone. And we have to really curate an ability to feel that way because otherwise our relationships are are not voluntary, you know? They are just like pain meds. It's like a security blanket and the fear of letting go of the relationship is just the thing that's resulting from your trauma. And it's not really tied to things that are good about the relationship, you know? But that pain of being alone will make it virtually impossible to break up with someone until you have really dealt with that stuff so great motive to get into individual therapy that was my two cents on that with that here is this episode which is about couples counseling brief what and why and then I get to part three the how the tools part one the what conflicts that repeat and that they seem to be at kind of you Maybe you're hitting just a dead end or you keep ending up with like ultimatums where each person's kind of like making the threat bigger, meaner, more and more dramatic. And you both kind of know based on your actions that you're not moving past that. So in other words, you're both having big conflicts. Both people are unhappy and suffering, throwing a lot of threats out there, and yet you're not following through on severing the relationship. So the actions are showing you're both still invested. That means you really need to like work with somebody else to help you solve those issues. And maybe the issues are communication based. Things are not landing right. Maybe that it's because uh, things are being triggered in the other person. Or perhaps you're in a tough spot with your partner because of life events. And so that life event is kind of like another person in the room of the relationship. So there are things that need to be confronted and maybe you just need like a third party to help with that because it's something you've never dealt with before. You don't have the tools or the language to deal with it. And either way, when we get in these fight loop situations, we often end up in a state of kind of peaceful distance uh, because we just want to avoid fights. And then often 
when we are in fights, it's kind of like that permanent state of clarifying of this meant that and why did they do that? But I was saying this and then it's like, so it's just kind of like exhausting. So either way, when communication breaks down, it is a, a toxic and non-nurturing, replenishing environment to be in. And I think often when we have unmet needs, it's because of bad communication. Because whatever, you know, gestures or love, little love coins we're trying to put in each other's bank, they're not getting in there. So both people kind of have, start to have more and more resent because there's not been any gifts received. And so people just start to kind of pull and, and they feel like that lack perspective more and more as time passes. So the goal is get back to get back to a voluntary desire to give love and support on both sides of the relationship. So what needs to be identified is what that would even look like for both individuals and also possibly what is in the way of that state happening. So for example, like what are the other factors at play that need, need to be externalized and seen as individuals in the room? And uh, what are the communication breakdowns that mean all of those gestures are not landing correctly? Part two, the why. Why attend couples counseling? Well, it helps to, it just helps you see, you know, it's like someone who is there to help you reduce down the chaos and the, the, the miscommunications. And when it comes to how effective couples counseling is, I would say, um, and, and whether or not people can come out of it being happier and more loving together, I think that res- depends on the reality of where you both are like in other words the answer for you both is already written it already exists you just have to define it and it's not necessarily what you think it is you know I think a lot of us like we can flip to two different extremes and that reality is different depending on like the minute of the day so don't jump to the end yet I think you have to work to divine the true answer based on the truth of what you both want, who you both are, and exactly what you're dealing with. But I think it really helps to have a counselor there because you can start to actually hear yourself for the first time and hear what's happening despite your opposing lenses. Like things get purified and reduced in a way that you will not anticipate. And whether or not you will be able to work through the issues comes down to just the truth of the facts, the truth of are both people invested enough? And are those factors things that you can tolerate and and or work on to change? And I would say a lot of the time it is. A lot of the time, I, I think it's totally solvable, but I think a lot of the time we don't even know what the real issues are. So our efforts without this insight or without this perspective, this added perspective, are misfires. And sometimes with couples counseling, you will find out that, um, you know, you're, you're saying things that you're not even aware of, or you'll find out like there are other layers of depth to the things that are happening. Like for example, past issues are at play in your emotional trigger responses that you are not aware of on a conscious level. And it takes really slowing this, the whole thing down in order to even see what is hyperbolic and possibly not related to your current situation. Other times, you will find out in couples counseling that you're battling what is or you're battling who each other really is in reality. And part of what will happen is you'll just have to accept the truth of who each person is in reality. And that I would say is like a natural process in a relationship regardless of if you're having couple fights or not. Like there's definitely a moment in time when like the life events kind of come to a calmness and like there's, you know, there's all these milestones you'll go through and there's so much newness and like there's all of this kind of adjustment that happens when you move in together or maybe you get married or maybe you have kids or maybe they're totally different types of milestones. But at a certain point, you will just be alone with the relationship and with the person. It's like you eventually get emotionally naked enough. And then it's just, it's, a, it's a, like its own 
reckoning period where you're like, oh, I can see you now. And I'm I, all the layers I imagined have kind of fallen away. And that is kind of like its own, you know, adult moment where you're like, oh, okay, this is who you really are and not who I want you to be. This is just who you really are. And that's, that's just something that happens. And then we process it and we can move through it and we just have to kind of like re-meet that person. And I would say like, I think a lot of conflict comes about like right around that time when you're like, but you're supposed to be all these other things that I think you should be. <laughs> and you're just, you have to like, kind of like let go and say like, is it okay that they're, they're themselves and they're not the thing I want? Yeah, okay. Those things are good too. They're just different. They're not what I imagined. They're different. Other times I think with counseling, it's really helpful to have this translator um, give you both the tools to hear the real feelings being expressed beneath the words or actions that we are receiving as hostile or counterproductive. And in these, like, because all people's emotional languages are, are totally different. Everyone's. Even if you grew up in the exact same town and went to the same school, everyone's emotional expressions and language, they, we all have different lives that we've lived. And so the, the point of that is to just be able to hear what's really being said on an emotional level. And then it doesn't hurt as much and it doesn't make us angry. It's just, it's very understandable and human when we can receive all of those real, real true communications that are beneath all of the fighting. And that is when you can start to get close again you can start to feel love and compassion again and and even want to give gifts because you're trying you're finally able to hear like no that fight word means this not I hate you and you're worthless it, it means I'm scared and I I don't know what to do that's just a random example and if your partner is invested in the relationship they will move through these tedious translation processes with you and when you have those awarenesses you can translate them into like your day-to-day -day conflicts and slow down and recognize like oh this is the communication that we're working on this is the loop this is not really about what we thought it is it's about something else yes it's tedious but the outcome can be very positive and it's it's something that like once you learn it it becomes innate and then we can like we become kind of like pros at navigating our relationships. I will say that a lot of people go to counseling when they have been hurt or betrayed. And that is in that situation, like if with infidelity, for example, I would say the counselor is really a place to facilitate them being witnessed in their pain so they can heal. And so it's really a place, a container to process and move through it. And I've heard quite from quite a few of you on both sides of this situation, those who have been cheated on and also those who have been the cheaters. And I think, um, and for people who have been cheated on, it's like, how do I, how do I ever forgive and move on from something like this? Even though I want to, I don't know if I can. And for the people who have cheated and made amends, their conflict is how can I move out of this damning role? I've amended my ways, I've made amends, like, but things, I just like, it feels like you can't ever let go of it. So I think in those situations, therapy is really helpful as a means to process and move toward the common goal. And we absolutely can move through impossible things when we choose to, but we have to choose that goal for the fir first step, and then we have to let it happen on its own time like we have to heal on our own time but outside of the situation of infidelity I would say like when you do choose a counselor it's really important to have equal ground and that the client when it comes to couples counseling quote-unquote is the relationship it means that is like a being that is the, the thing being treated the person being treated and so whatever is best for the relationship for both parties is what is taken into account. And it's not one person over the other. And so if you notice that there's, you know, an, a lopsided a set of like attention happening, just take note and 
observe this because yes, counselors are human. So they might like one person more than the other person or side with one person's experience over the other. But their job is really to treat each person equally. And there are also ethical considerations for the counselor. They have to make sure each person is safe and also like making sure that each person has a voice. So for a lot of people in relationships who feel like they don't have a say, a good counselor will identify those imbalances and ensure that they those things are brought into the room. And they should also be externalizing any outside factors or issues that prevent the treatment of the relationship. For example, if one person has an addiction problem or if one person suffers depression or if there are these power differentials, like those things need to be brought into the room and externalized so that they are part of every conversation that may be affected by it, you know? So people who attend couples counseling need to be there to want to work on a problem, but they also need to be capable of making change. So if one person is using drugs or they're incapacitated by depression, that's a big factor that needs to be treated separate to the couple situation. So other, you know, I highly recommend both people see individual counselors, but especially if you're dealing with something like depression, another factor that might prevent you from being able to work on your relationship. So the truest goal of your counseling is to divine truth, to strip away the toxicity of the defenses that both people employ to defend against feelings of low self-worth. And for whatever it's worth, our defenses are so practiced. They're practiced from such a young age that we can't even see them anymore. It's like we learn them and they are how we cope with a fear of rejection, a pain, the pain of like being unseen, any pain of neglect, also the fear of abandonment. And we we try strategies based on our just personality makeup to help us feel empowered in the face of intensely painful situations growing up. And those strategies are often so just wired into us and so unconscious despite how aware we are as adults. So I think when you can start to hear yourself, you might you you will be surprised by the fact that you are actually participating in the creation of your conflicts or you know working against your goals. And I think that's one of the most amazing things about being in counseling is I call it frame fucking, <laughs> but it's like you slow when you slow things down and take things apart at a kind of slow enough rate like your own words, you can see all the unique details embedded inside them. And by that, I mean like the age of the words, the bigger heightened feeling that the words are being motivated by and how those maybe are not attached to today at all, you know? And the truth is when you you both together own, quote unquote, your issues and confront them, you're in the exact same spot you were before, it's not like anything gets worse. It's like it feels scary and confrontational and like you're you're digging up the bad stuff and you're like, I don't want to make everything worse. I don't want to make everything be- like more, you know, depressing or anything. But it's it's the same. Everything is the same as it was before you started talking about it. It just means you're not unconscious now. And even though it brings things to the surface and that can kind of stir up the the muck in our bodies, it's those issues are real and they exist whether you talk about them or not. And when you can stop thinking about them as bad things and you can think about it as kind of like healthy um, healing or healthy like air on a wound that, or, or when you just like kind of examine that you might have like emotional issues around conflict or fear of loss. This is how we can start to really tackle issues in a healthy way and move through them quickly. And it's just by kind of tolerating that fear or that discomfort and and becoming very aware of it. So just seeing it and being like, I'm feeling discomfort. I'm feeling discomfort at having brought up something. I'm feeling discomfort over having um, any kind of conflict at all. It's like just being aware of that, noticing it and kind of breathing through it makes you much more capable as an individual of moving through stuff, but also as a couple, 
it will make you both more intimate and, and happier and more adept at moving through, through things in the future that are difficult. And I think people who fight can still love one another. People who confront things that are stressful and talk about them at length and then move through them on the other side, still like keeping closeness, like that is how you build bulletproof strength together. And it starts by just like knowing tackling issues is not so bad. It's not so scary. And we can move through these things and still be very loving towards one another and still be equally close. So that was my long, long, long wandering why. Um, And now I'm going to have some tools for you for if you are in this general state in your life. Before I go into the tools, however, first a brief word from our sponsors. All right, the first tool is called You Are Allowed to Keep Your Fishbowl Clean. So you can think of a relationship in the same way that you can think of any like little terrarium or a fishbowl or whatever little micro environment when it's dirty or when it's, you know, there's muck on the glass, when there's hostility or unpleasantness or stress in your relationship. It's like a pollutant in your habitat, in your fishbowl. And if you had a fish tank and it was all murky, you would clean it, right? So the fish could breathe. Yes, you would. So let yourself fucking breathe. Like you are allowed to confront things that make you unhappy. You are the keeper of your personal climate. So make your emotional health worth it. And I mean that when it comes to translating something that is bothering you or working on your communication or at the very least being fully seen and seeing your partner right back. I think it's a key factor in relief and intimacy is just being able to work on things that are between you, you know, and just being able to see where the other person is coming from truly and also for them to see where you are coming from truly. It's like you can both go, oh, and feel so much better. It's it's like, it's a, such a like thing that we avoid doing, but it's like, it will help things. It makes things just feel a lot better and lighter. Why not do it? Take the stigma out of cleaning the fishbowl. <laughs> All right. The next tool is called 720. So we have to start saying what we mean when we mean it. And we also have to start identifying our various voices. And to do that, And I mean our voices from different ages, our voices from when we are in a triggered state or a clinging state or a um, controlling state, whatever it is. We have to see ourselves from 360. And I think like starting to just observe what is out of scale with a a situation, just noticing that, just putting a little yellow post-it note on that, like this response I'm having is out of scale with what's happening right now, huh? And reacting to that with curiosity. Because it's usually related to a fear state and we're trying to like use coping mechanisms to solve it. And in other words, it's related to something old. And so we've got to recognize that in ourselves. That's our 360. And then we also have to see the other person in 360. See what is their shit. What is their feeling of whatever, you know, whatever their feeling is that's being projected onto us that doesn't belong to us. You know, maybe it's their feelings of unhappiness with their life. Maybe it's their feelings of inadequacy. Maybe it's their actual, you know, emotional state at a particular time of time of day. Like maybe they have a routine that we just are not familiar with, even if we cohabitate with them. So for example, we just have to like recognize maybe let's say a person is really an introverted type of person and they need alone time and that is how they replenish themselves. That's something that's not about you, but your muscle memory might make that about you. That's just one random example about recognizing and accepting someone else's different wiring. Also, for some people, they wake up way more slowly and are cranky in the morning. Or some people uh, really shut down at the end of the night and cannot be, don't want to hang out and be, you know, gregarious as the night gets later. And some people are the opposite to that. Either way, all of this stuff 
when we can recognize it and accept it, it doesn't have to be received as like a violation, you know? I think of a lot of self-empowerment types of content, you know, it teaches us to kind of set standards and like accept nothing less. But I think sometimes that's not helpful when it comes to our relationships habitat. And we just have to like see what's true and accept it and respect it. And so that both people can take care of their, their needs accordingly. A lot in that tool. <laughs> hope it made sense. Next tool, old body, newer brain. So this is, I, I just wanted to call it out to record your physical responses versus your thoughts or your, your head slash attitude responses. I think especially when it comes to couple fights, because they are so based in our family of origin, because it's like the, the closest thing to our relationship with our parents. We very much learn how to be in a relationship from our upbringing. So a lot of the time we will learn a lot from what we feel in our physical body in any kind of couple fight. So for example, notice when your heart starts to pound, when your hearing changes, when your stomach drops, like this is usually fear, a fear response or an anxious response. And those are just signals like, oh, some old trigger is being activated right now. And just all I'm saying is begin to take note of your body's responses to situations. And, you know, yes, your brain will be thinking of like, what are my fighting words? What's the thing I'm going to say next? But if you notice your heart rate starts to skyrocket or it's like, um, suddenly you're, you're a little lightheaded or your chest is starting to tighten. These are all responses tied to older emotions. So just become curious about them and what they may be related to from your upbringing. All right. Next tool, spot the Paw Patrol versus Peppa franchises. Um, okay. This is a, a weird clunky title, but like we have Paw Patrol um, toys and also we have Peppa Pig toys and like those those sets can still party. They can fit together and like play in each other's playhouses. It's totally normal. It's totally fine. If you guys in your relationship have opposite love languages and your emotional cues are totally different, welcome to everyone in the entire world who has ever been in a relationship. I would say everybody has different everything. The only important thing is learning how to decode their emotional love language and all of the cues that go along with giving them love and not trying to change them or make it different. I think a lot of the times we think that they should say things our way or and vice versa. And I think the only situation where one person should try and cater to another person is if you are actively triggering that other person and causing them a an intense emotional response that is involuntary. And yes, those things will fade over years of time, but it's not like something you can talk yourself out of. So if you can figure out a workaround that allows you to back out of that situation, I think it'll help both people immensely. Um, but outside of that, like, you know, both people can learn how to give each other the thing they really want. And then both people will also recognize that gesture and it, you can work together awesomely. It's just like, uh, it just takes time. And for a long time, it's tedious and annoying. And that's the way it just is. <laughs> it's like learning any foreign language, but expect it. It's fine. All right. The next tool, pause. This is Tara Brock's given it a million times. I just wanted to remind you all of it because I think it's really important to use with the trigger situations in particular. The best thing you can do in the moment your body has been triggered is just pause is notice, see where it is in your body, see what's happening. Like, Oh, this is the thing that's happening. Now I'm getting emotionally triggered and refrain from saying anything until your body has a chance to calm down. And I think rehearsing pause as often as possible is really helpful. Pausing before an automatic action, like brushing your teeth or before you, you know, put your car in gear after you've put on your seatbelt, just like close your eyes and say one 1000 or say pause. And this is just helpful for any situation when we have become 
any kind of like form of irrational. It's like just, okay, now my body's reacting. I'm going to back away. That's all you have to do. Leave the room. Just say I need to take a break, whatever it is, pause. All right. And when we can do that, we actually have the ability to make a decision. We can reflect, but it takes a while for our our body to come out of the heightened state. So I'm going to say like at least a few minutes. Um, Okay, next tool, the good life balance tweaker. If you can change one thing in your relationship, any kind of like habit, something that's causing some emotional like cog what's that rube goldberg machine to happen like everything is going and now i feel bad and now we're distant and now this thing has happened and now this person's on edge and whatever it is like all these chain reactions that happen when you have couple fights if you can change one thing you can like by you know let's say you have both decided through your couples counseling you are going to give the one gift that this person really needs which is like eye contact or this other person is going to give the one gift that they need, which is um, I'm going to compliment you more often or something like that. Whatever it is, you both make one change. It's very simple. It's the first thing that you decide to tackle. Your energy and your vibe in your relationship can change by like 20%. You know, it doesn't have to be everything at once, but like that 20% feels amazingly better. It's just like a, such a simple tweak. Can every you can wake up and everything feels different, you know, and you'll be more excited, more energized, just softer. So I just want you to be aware of that. It's like a very simple tweak can make a dramatic change. And this is true for you on you as an individual, but it's also true for your relationship. So, you know, like <laughs> for you on you as an individual, if you were to add something like meditation to your day, if you don't meditate, like that'd be like a fucking 20% improvement. You'd be like, whoa, wow, this changed everything. Um, I digress. All right. The next tool, the proof is where you are. So if you are maybe in a, a relationship where you're like, I don't even know if my partner cares. I don't think they love me enough. If you want to know the answer, look at their actions. Look at what they are choosing to do. And this will reveal the truth to you. If they are attending counseling with you, if they are participating in talking through extensive arguments with you, I would say they're probably invested. You know, that's not frivolous. The other person's intentions become self-evident as time passes. And it's just like, you know, you can see the integrity of a structure, like the pier, you know, the tide washes against it for years and years and years and years. And it's still standing there. It's like your relationship will show its strengths when you both care enough to listen to one another and speak slowly and look at the realities of what you are both struggling with. That in itself is love. And that is something to build off of. So take heart. All right, next tool. What do these mean to me? Um, I just wanted to throw it out there. I want it just to remind you to allow yourself to define the meaning of words to you. And also just be aware like war words mean different things to different people. It's not all one blanket meaning. Just random example. For me, the word bitch is incredibly toxic and awful. And to some people, it's totally fine. And that's partly just because of when I grew up and what I have experienced in my life as a person who identifies as female. But that that just me. Then that's one word that I have feelings about. But the same goes for all words. So if you are having um, fights and certain words don't mean that, they're, they're not hurtful to you at all. Like don't take on everybody else's uh, translations of everything and feel like they have to become yours you know if things are okay with you they can be okay with you if you grew up with like a lot of fighting and like a lot of yelling and like that's not upsetting to you in any way that's not upsetting to you in any way don't feel like you have to suddenly change what things mean to you just because of a the frame of a specific you know person's perspective that's not you because you're the only one living your life all right the next tool 
is i already said this apologies for the f-bombs frame fucking what are my words or complete that that sentence is another word so one thing i think is really powerful is just to start start to listen to your own fighting words and see them for what they mean emotionally and hopefully your counselor will do this with you but if not let's say you have a sentence that comes out when you're upset just notice like take the most recent one and hear exactly the words you are using and just identify like what is that need what age is that need what are what are the words saying like what's the rest of the sentence if you could complete it and just see what the underlying potency of the sentences and see if it's try like truly tied to this current situation or maybe if it's tied to something older all right the next tool is called bird's eye focus group i think i might have given this on a past episode but i can't remember so i'm giving it again but it's basically in order to really see how we feel about our relationship we have to gather all of ourselves at all the different points in our emotional spectrum and see what our average experience is and for my friends who have trauma out there like myself there is a it's hard to really remember how we feel at different times throughout the week so there's a young self who has trauma who wants to cling and or perhaps distance and then there's this adult self emotionally who wants to stand up for yourself and like claim the best and all throughout your relationship experiences you might have those different selves come out and be the most prominent and kind of speak for you but a lot of the time they contradict or you'll feel totally different one day and totally different the next day so the goal is to really see things from a higher perspective what i'm calling this bird's eye view so you have to kind of keep uh i don't know like an emotional chart or calendar and just know how you feel throughout your week write down all the best experiences write down all the worst experiences and in order to tell how you feel pervasively in your relationship have uh, check-ins with all of yourselves and see how was i last week how was i a week before that how, what was my how did i feel this last the same day last week and just make sure you're like remembering and checking in with the self that is really happy and the self that has had a great time and not just only collecting the case studies for all the bad things because I think it's really easy to get into that habit especially if you're in coming from a place of unmet needs emotionally okay the next tool actually I wanted to just give everybody a, a list of stress responses because I think it's really um, hard to identify or or know that some things are just your partner's body language for I'm stressed out I'm overwhelmed I'm triggered and a lot of the time we take what they're doing personally and we feel offended by it but sometimes those behaviors are totally just natural physical responses to stress and I think a lot of the time we may interpret them especially if we have different culture a different culture than our partner does like we might completely read all of their physical cues in opposite meanings so <clears throat> anyway this is just in case it helps these are totally involuntary and not deliberate not to make you angry stress responses and these are the ones that I would consider common you know um and this is in situations when you're just a little overwhelmed and i'm not saying that like this person is absolutely not doing something to make you mad i'm just i wanted to throw out throw these out there for consideration because these are things that people do when they're stressed all right here's the list laughter avoiding eye contact turning away and getting physically distant tuning into a phone or something like an object like fiddling with an object yawning appearing bored suddenly feeling sleepy profuse sweating having to pee fidgeting and lots of nervous energy a loss of focus or dizziness gas nausea quick to anger like yelling volume overreaction being quick to tears 
lots of tears coming out, tears that feel completely out of scale with the situation. Also, P.S. tears are they're a way to release stress hormones. So all of that list is just, it's dependent on that person's physical chemistry, what, whatever direction you lean. So like you can think of it like your partner's stress hormones are increasing in their body and they are either ramping up physically for action or they are getting the opposite. They're dissociating from their body and somewhat preparing for like a sleep state. So if you want to read more about stress responses, you can check out Google or the Mayo Clinic website. Um, but it doesn't matter what you are doing in reality. The perception that the other person has is key to their response. So you might be thinking like, I'm not doing anything. My voice is very calm. I'm completely peaceful. And whatever it is, it's, it doesn't matter. It's their body res is responding based on their particular emotional upbringing and their particular language. And that will be different for every single person. And so outside of that, I just want you to externalize whatever issue is occurring because it's likely not about you at all. If a person is reactive, that is coming from them and what they are dealing with. And a baseline is set up by a person's life experiences or their inability to cope with recent stress levels. So maybe that means there are too little resources or there's too much injustice or frustrations or the holding in of some kind of emotional factors for too long. Either way, if a person's being overreactive towards you in some way, it's likely an intolerance that is like a threshold has been activated, you know? So if you can externalize whatever is happening, externalize that and see that problem as something outside of you, now that the situation exists and it is what it is, you can just see it and say like, how do we tackle this? How do we deal with this thing? And how do we solve for this external factor and also work on our relationship? And I would say this is a, a unique and, and wonderful place to arrive at when you start to tackle problems and also confront possible limitations that somebody else has, because it means you can get to know them in a totally different way. And with that, you can, I don't know, you kind of grow up in this very strange way. And you kind of accept that no one is perfect. All relationships have problems and there will be good and bad in each person. And knowing that truth and knowing that, you know, you may wish that something was different. You may wish that you could change something, but like, it's okay to have something exist in your relationship that you don't like, that you wish was different. And it's okay to say like, yeah, that sucks, but you know, I'm still in love with this person. I still want to be with them. So I will come, I will always tell you to come back to your two lists of what the pros and cons in your relationship and just check in with like whichever list is longer. Are the pros longer or the cons longer? And I would say another way to really think through things is like really picture and, and if you need to like experience what your life would look like without this other person. Is that a better life or is it not? I think sometimes we can't really sense into that reality without like some concrete exploration. But I think a lot of the time you'll get to that reality and you'll be like, oh, oh, they do bring so many other benefits to my life that I couldn't possibly even remember to quantify because they're, we just start to take them for granted at a certain point. So we can choose to have imperfect situations when it's worth it for us. So with that... <laughs> I hope you try couples counseling. I think it's fantastic myself. Um, and before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors, Juliana. Thank you so very much. And Rebecca on Patreon. Thank you so very much. And Danielle, a new sponsor through Yay With Me. And also a donation from Alex. Thank you so very much. Anyone who has the means, donations really help out the show. If you don't have the means, totally understand a review on iTunes is also so helpful. In closing, you've heard it a million times before, but it's true. Relationships 
take work. All of them do, except for the random unicorns out there who don't. So if that's you, more power to you. But just know that like it's normal to have the kinks to work through and there are natural stages where things will set in in new ways. And also a lot of it is triggered by your particular life stage if you are going through a specific set of conflicts, you know? So new moments of acceptance or conflict might come about when you thought you worked through everything. And that's just because like we're kind of reaching new ages and selves where we realize something in a totally different light. And as we change as individuals and kind of like process different meanings in our life, we will also start to renegotiate and like relook at our relationship and re relate to our partner in a totally different way. And know that just talking with somebody else, like talking in a new way, having something facilitate your ability to talk about things in a new way, even if you've talked about them a thousand times, it can change everything. And you never know what can come of that. You can have a complete 180. Things can completely change with just this experience of having a new perspective or a new tool set being brought into a situation. So never forget to have hope. I wanted to leave you with one last exercise because I do this often on my show, but I, it's, I think it's a really powerful reminder to drop your expectations and expect something wonderful and amazing to happen. So as I close, I want you to say it with me. Maybe this day will end up being the best one yet, or maybe this will bring about the happiest I've ever been. And I hope this helps you. I send you my love. Smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.